Hi, I'm Dr. Daniel Bynes. I'm Amanda. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Dr. Katie Elson. And together, we are The, the Brain, Brain People. People. A group of real, practicing mental health professionals. This podcast is a one-stop shop for all your mental health needs. We'll give you the tools to beat depression and anxiety one episode at a time. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Brain People Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Daniel Bynus, and I'm a psychiatrist here in beautiful Auburn, California. And I'm really excited about the guest that we have today. And our guest today is Karen Nicola. And Karen has been doing grief work and grief education and coaching for about 15 years now. And she's really an expert in her field. And she's actually written a book called Comfort for the Day that I've really appreciated myself. And I've often recommended to patients who have gleaned a lot of good material out of that. And not only that, Karen is an amazing person. And I've really appreciated uh, getting to know her over the last couple of years as we've been able to work together. So welcome, Karen. Thank you, Dr. Binus. I am so blessed to be that agent to take people from suffering and pain into wholehearted, hopeful living again. Watching that transformation take place, being a participant of that is it's just such a blessing in my life. It's it's my why I get up every day is knowing that something that we can do to bring good education about grief and to support people through their grief, it's just, it's such a blessing. I hear you. And that's really what gets me out of bed every morning too, is, is even though my focus is not grief, but just being a conduit of love into people's lives and watching someone go from despair and hopelessness and sadness to seeing the light start to come back in their lives. And so really that's what we want to talk about today is, is what are some of the things that we can actually do in our lives if we're in that place, you know, if we're in that dark place, if we're grieving, if we're suffering because of a huge loss that, we, that, we, that we've had in our lives, what are some of the things that we can actually do practically speaking, to move out of that that pit. And so let's just start from there, Karen. Well, the question is great. What can we do? Can we do something is probably what some despairing grievers are even unaware that they can do something, that the pit is so dark and it is so hopeless and it is so lonely that the thought of can I even do something is almost beyond them. So if that's who you are out there listening to us, please stay with us because we want to encourage you that, yes, by just making one little choice at a time, uh, your your dark pit can let some light in, and it's, it's a good thing. But I want to first just give a very broad umbrella view of grief. We're talking about grief that comes from loss. And that loss can be from the burning down of your home, your neighborhood, your community, like we have so many of them here in California. That's a, that's a devastating, traumatic loss. It can be the loss of one's health, 
uh, physically or emotionally. It can be the loss of relationships between parent and children. It can be the loss of relationships and spouses. It can be the loss of a job. It can be the loss of finances. Whatever these relationships or entities that are important in our life go awry or end, it creates a change for us. And that change for us means we have to adjust. And some of us adjust more easily, and some of us adjust with much more difficulty. So I just kind of wanted to make that a clarity. Absolutely. And I'm thinking about my life too, and and I've had different losses. And it's interesting how you respond differently to, to, to different losses, sometimes ways that you don't even completely understand yourself or you, you think I, I would never respond that way to, to this sort of loss. And, you know, I'm even thinking about I, when I was a, a child, I had a, a, a Shetland pony, pony and I probably would, it was about nine years old. And, and that, and that pony uh, had some kind of disease uh, where it was infecting the foot or something like that. I, I didn't really understand it, of course, at the time. But all I, I understood is that this pony needed to be put down. And I remember watching the vet and my dad lead this pony away and and lead it up into the to the woods where they were going to put, be put putting it down and this tremendous grief that came up in my heart. I'd, I'd never experienced in my whole life up to that point. I don't, I don't know if I've ever had that heart wrenching of grief since then. And people might say, well, that was just, you know, it was a pony. It was, it was an animal, but you know, it's interesting how it, it doesn't always, it's not always the death of a person. It seems like other things can be just as heart wrenching sometimes for, for certain individuals. Absolutely. And so, Dr. Binus, who supported you through that gut-wrenching? Did you create life commands about that pain in your life that said, oh, I guess I have to deal with this by myself? Oh, I probably shouldn't let anybody know how sad I feel. Or did you have an environment that you could run to somebody and weep in their arms and be held and supported and and be guided through, honey, this does hurt. You love that pony, and I know you did, and I'm here with you in this and understanding you. You know, I, I'm very grateful to say that my mother was right there with her hands on my shoulder and for a warm hug. But I can only imagine if someone doesn't have that, how that must feel to bottle that up and to just feel like, oh, I don't, I need to just shut up and put up, you know, just move on with life and be strong. And as in our previous podcast, we were talking about how unhealthy that is. And so, yeah, what, especially if we've kind of had this mindset or people have told us in, in one way or another that essentially you just need to get on with it, but we're not ready to get on with it. The pain is still so intense that it's affecting our lives and, 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 and really driving us into despair or other negative emotions. What can we do, practically speaking? What are some of the do's of healthy grieving? Well, I really want to share the do's of healthy grieving, but I also want to acknowledge what is a very common, socially acceptable, culturally modeled way to deal with the pain in our lives. And that is to numb it, drug it, distract it, medicate it. 
And so in our lives, we then, that dark pit that we might be in even now is even as it were like we are um, chained there because what we go to, our go-to to remedy the pain keeps us there. So what we want to be able to consider, is there a possibility that I could do a different go-to and get a different result? So what would be one of the very best ways to unchain us from the addictive power of things that we have utilized to assuage our pain? Well, some of that might mean going first to a recovery rehab kind of situation so that we can set ourselves free from that vicious cycle of darkness. So if that is your next step, then take that next step by all means. Yeah, I I really appreciate that because I think none of us like pain. Uh, You know, it's just, it's uncomfortable. And we naturally, even when we touch a hot stove, our hand immediately jerks back. And I think, you know, because grief is, is painful, it is natural to try to find some way or another to escape. And that often I've seen it in my own life and in other people's lives where it's so easy then to escape into unhealthy coping mechanisms. And oftentimes that can lead to addiction. And then that, like you said, often requires some help and getting help from the outside to break that pattern of addiction. Definitely. And interestingly enough, in my experience, the 12 steps that are used in the AA program are perfect applicable steps for our grieving hearts. So they, they, they do a dual purpose. Um, they, they address um, the, the pain of addiction. They also address the deeper pains that might have driven us into addiction. So that application works really wonderfully. I guess the, 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 the top item of understanding grief is that it is not a disorder, a disease, or even a sign of weakness. But instead, grief is an emotional and physical and spiritual necessity. It is the price we pay for love. And it's the only cure for grief is to grieve. Now, those are not my wise words. Those are words from um, Rabbi Earl Grohlman. And his definition, his working definition of grief for me, includes the whole person, you know, emotional, physical, and spiritual. Mm. And I know Beautiful Minds is all about attending to the whole person. And I think that's the, the healthiest way for us to engage with our grief. So... Self-care physically is the one area that we probably have the most direct control over when we are grieving. Those are simple little can-do things, like I can drink more water today. I worked with a coaching client um, who... Just I, I get kind of their physical background and know what they do for themselves in a healthy way, who just didn't drink water. And so I said, so your assignment in our grief coaching agreement here is to drink no less than five glasses of water. I mean, I wasn't going to read the whole amount that she should drink, <laughs> but at least get five in. At least five. <laughs> right. So by the next week when she called me, I said, so how, how is the water drinking? She goes, it went fantastic. 
and I feel so good, and I'm sleeping all night. <laughs> well, two wonderful things that her grieving body body needed was a good night's sleep and hydration. So these natural, simple things that we can do for our own self-care are not too hard for us. You know, that really makes me stop and think about how sometimes when someone has died or there's another type of difficult loss, it's almost like we feel like I don't deserve to take care of myself because that person died or because, you know, this other bad thing happened, this other loss that I experienced. It's almost like we punish ourselves in a way. And so maybe it's not always that reason, but I definitely resonate with what what, what you're saying about the importance of self-care and really attending to our physical needs and how easily that can be ignored in the process of grief. Well, Daniel, you bring up a really important point how we believe about ourselves, what, who we see when we look in the mirror. Is that someone that we love or is that someone we despise? If our own self-image and our own capacity to nurture and love ourselves is at a very low point, then even this simple self-care might be a huge step. And so if that is your case as a listener, I would so recommend getting connected to a professional person who can help rearrange that view you have of yourself. Because if we are self-deprecating, if we feel in some way, I don't deserve happiness or healing or hopefulness, um, then that's that's a pretty dark pit that does need, again, some outside assistance. Absolutely. I really agree with that because a lot of times when we're stuck in that mode of thinking that I don't have value and somehow I'm less than, that it really be, it can often become the self-perpetuating cycle because then we treat ourselves that way and then and then we reaffirm like, look, you you can't even get out of bed and but well, why? Because maybe we're not like like the lady that wasn't even drinking water, right? We're not attending to some of these basic things and not treating ourselves as valuable. And therefore, you know, we're going to be even less and less functional. And that just reinforces this negative uh, thought and picture that we have about ourselves. And I, I want to affirm, you know, what, what you're saying here, Karen, because, and, and to our listeners, each of you, all of us have infinite, amazing value. And God has created us. And it doesn't matter how, what dark of a place, what difficult of a place, how horrible we look in the mirror, we have amazing value and nothing can take that away from us. And the very fact that you feel the pain over the loss of something or someone that was important to you is is another reason to consider a healthy option, a healthy choice, because that honors what was lost, what you now don't have. Whereas the, the, the cycle of you know, self-loathing or not caring for oneself um, really is a dishonor for that relationship or that person or that experience that you now don't have. So 
you're so right, Daniel. There, we we are completely and absolutely valued mm-hmm. by our Creator, by our Savior, and um, if our listeners haven't considered that as an option, just drink that one in. And you know, one of the things that you're that you brought up in my mind too that sometimes I ask my patients is. The person that died recently, maybe it was your husband or your wife or someone else, how would they want you to be taking care of yourself right now? Would they want you to just be in bed all day? Would they want you to not be eating healthy? Would they, or how would they want? And and I think sometimes that starts to click a little bit for people like, no, you know, I, I they were unselfish. They loved me. They wanted me to be happy. And I think that that is absolutely the case. And so, I, like you said, you know, I think it actually honors the person that we've we've lost or that has died, uh, in in that we are willing to take care of ourselves. Now, one so that's kind of the physical aspect of the dues of healthy grieving, but you also mentioned emotional and spiritual elements as well. Any thoughts that you can share with us on, on these? Well, the emotional journey of grief is, <laughs> it's like a roller coaster. I mean, you just have no idea what's going to come next, the highs and lows. Or as one teenager who once told me after the suicidal death of her older brother, she said, it feels like I am in a forever tunnel that I can't even see the light at the other end because there's too many curves in the tunnel. And oh, my heart just felt for her. Um, emotionally, you know, she she can't, she's traveling through this tunnel of darkness with so many curves. And what do you do with all of that? Um, I, I like to liken it to, um, it's toxin that needs to be expressed. We need to release these emotions that are building up. Mm. They create all kinds of chemical warfare in our body, as it were, that when they just get swallowed down. Mm-hmm. Um, well, an, another another very wise person once said, um, the sorrow which has no vent in tears may make other organs weep. Mm. Wow. That's Henry Maudsley. He wrote that way back in the 1850s. He was a pioneer in psychology in England. He, he said that way before today's science is saying, you know, what you absorb emotionally and mentally and psychologically, your body responds to that. That's amazing. Yeah. So tears are certainly a welcome and necessary health, healing activity for our emotional grief. Um, but again, the culture says, don't cry. Yeah, and that's an interesting thing. I I was just thinking about how some some other cultures are actually really promote that in a way, and and I really see how they encourage wailing or you know going through these uh, very expressive forms of of grief. And it sounds for like from what you're saying, that's that can actually be a really good thing. 
Absolutely. In fact, there are body toxins that are released in tears of grief. So let's cry. Wow. <laughs> you have our permission to cry. Make it happen. But the other place that can really be an intentional activity to release those emotions has also to do with our physiology. We need to release them out of our body. So if this is anger, go take what I call an anger stomp walk or an anger run mm. and just beat it into the ground as you run. If there are emotions that are um, just whirling around and you can't find the, the start or the end of them, just start putting them on paper. Now, I tell my clients now, please don't write. Please don't journal. What you're going to do on paper is not either of those two things. Because writing and journaling has to do with organization, precision, grammar, um, it has to do with punctuation. It has to do with paragraphing. It has to do with academics. But what you need to do, I need to do, we all need to do is to release those emotions on paper out through our hand using a pen or pencil because that's the physical distance it takes to get from the mind and heart out to the paper is the healing that comes behind there. And I call it PISOP. Put your stuff on paper, P-Y-S-O-P, PISOP, put your stuff on paper. I love that. Don't <laughs> journal, don't write, because that's academic. This is therapeutic. Just put your stuff on paper. And, and I'll just comment right there. Karen, came, you came and, and uh, did a workshop for us. And I, I remember you asked us to do some of that writing. And it was very amazing to me because as I, was, as I started to write and I started to use that PISOP principle instead of trying to think about grammar or thinking about writing correctly or anything like that. And I just wrote from my heart. I was actually surprised at what came out on paper. I didn't even realize. And in such a short time. Right. Yeah. It was amazing. I mean, I, I, I didn't even realize what, what, what was in there. I think I was writing about the death of my grandmother and I, I said, wow, this, I didn't even realize that was there. So there's a connection there. It seems like when you just allow the pen to, to go, so to speak, instead Absolutely. of like thinking too much and you're writing from the heart in a way. Mm -hmm. You're writing from the heart and you're writing from your core and it should reflect what your core is. And that can be disorganized, messy, random. You know, it's not something that's neat and tidy. It's something that might jump all over the place, but it's now outside of you. And by that release, your body doesn't have to hold on to it any longer. Mm. And healthy healing grieving can continue its course for you. You see, because Earl Grohman said, it is necessary for us to grieve. It's a necessity. I, I couldn't agree more with that. And I even think about with people that have PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and how in my experience in working with a lot of these people, a lot of the issues seems that there has not been resolution of trauma. And really, when we think about grief, when we think about death, it's traumatic. And so we need to somehow process that. We need to somehow have some resolution. It doesn't mean that, oh, now I'm over it, but a working through is so that our mind can start to kind of wrap itself around what just happened, even if we don't understand every detail that there's an element maybe of acceptance that does start to creep in. And there's a, a way that we can say, okay, um, this isn't quite 
as overwhelming as maybe it was before. There's, there's, there's progress through that. I refer to it as completing hmm. the pain. And so when that pain can be completed in a healthy, healing way, um, do we still have the emotion of sadness and sorrow and uncomfortableness? Yes, but it is no longer the driving force that keeps us stuck in that pit. It's no longer the thing that keeps us in fear from entering into new relationships. That's been completed. And I really appreciate that too, because it seems like then it's it's not like we're just saying, okay, over and done with, but at the same time, it's not consuming us the way that it was before. And we're actually able to start, I don't like the term moving on, but move forward, forward. with our lives. Absolutely. Where, where we still respect the grief, the loss that that we've just had, but we're able to really not stay stuck. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure there's so many other things that we could talk about. I, I know, I, I feel like I could talk all day with with Karen about grieving, and and I know we're gonna look forward to having you back many times in the future on our podcast because I really think there's so many important lessons for all of us, and and even me as a psychiatrist. I'm still learning about this too. And it's really a wonderful thing to learn. So to summarize, today we've really been able to delve into some of the do's of healthy grieving. And we've also touched on some of the don'ts as well. And we definitely don't want to just stuff it. Absolutely not. And, and I, so I heard that loud and clear. And, and we don't want to get into that addiction and escape mode. But the do's of healthy grieving to me are really exciting because there is hope. There are things that we can do. And one of the most important things is that we can be intentional. We need to be intentional with actually addressing it, that going toward the pain instead of running away from it. We need to, of course, address any addictions, things that we might be using as unhealthy escapes. And we need to address the whole person. And that includes our physical health needs, our emotional health needs. I'm, I'm going to remember the PISOP. <laughs> and, 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 and that's really inspired me, actually, even in my own writing, just to be more free. And it's been extremely helpful. And, and then we also want to attend to our spiritual needs as well and uh, connecting with God and, and realizing that he is there too. And we didn't get a chance Maybe to really that delve. Could be the I next think, podcast. I, I think that might be a really good next topic. And, and, you know, one other thing that was coming to mind as well as we were talking about this is just the idea that we don't need to do all this alone. Of course, we do have God and he wants to help be with us and guide us through the process, but God also puts people in our lives as well. And sometimes we're so blinded we don't see those, but oftentimes there's people there that want to help if we if we will allow them to. So in closing, if you only take one thing away from today's show, Remember this, if mental illness is a whole person problem, then it must have a whole person solution. I'm Dr. Daniel Vinus. And I'm Karen Nicola. And you've been listening to the The Brain Brain People People Podcast. listening. To hear more episodes, find us on social media or support us financially, visit the brainpeoplepodcast.com. 